Um, so yeah, today we're going to be talking a little bit about uh, local discernment. Um, you know, our church obviously has been through some things and uh, there is a bright future ahead that we want to talk about. Uh, so I'm going to set us up a little bit. Matt's going to give his wonderful slide deck that I've seen in multiple iterations over the last weeks. It's only been weeks, right? That this is new. Yeah. And then we're going to have a discussion together. So um, yeah, Matt, if you, you can sit for a bit if you want while I yabber and then and then we'll trade places and I'll listen to you. Um, yeah, so good morning, friends. Uh, really glad that you're here with us for local teaching. Um, just want to take us through a little bit of a setup to our conversation today. So it's no secret to anyone in this room, I hope, that the Meeting House has had an interesting few years. Would we agree with that? It's been an interesting few years. COVID, of course, happened. We had a pandemic. Um, for some people, yeah, anyway, it's still a thing. People are still getting it. It's not great. But COVID shutting down for that amount of time, it fundamentally shifted how all of society engages in church, right? I would actually argue it maybe didn't change things as much as it sped up what maybe already had been happening in terms of people's value in going to church, going to church out of guilt versus going to church because you want to be there. Maybe it just sped up what was kind of slowly starting to happen in society already. Churches all across our nation in Canada and beyond have seen sharp declines in attendance and engagement because of the pandemic. Some are even calling it the next reformation. So if you haven't heard that word before, reformation is like a fancy word for when the church goes through a giant change or transition. So it happens about every 500 years since the church existed. So the year 500, Constantine made Christianity like the normal thing. Then in uh, like a, around a thousand years, there was the like Catholic Orthodox. And then there was the Protestant and radical Reformation in the 1500s. And now we're here in 2020, whatever it is. And it's hard to know if you're living through a Reformation or not when you're in it, I think. I think, you know, the history books might look back and say that was a fundamental shift in what church was in society and how people engage with their faith and those sorts of things. So we'll see. Maybe we're in the middle of another Reformation, but we don't know right now because we're living it. So all of that that I just described has happened to every single church, including ours, but also including the church down the street and the one up the road and the one in Newfoundland that my grandparents are at today. <laughs> so that's happened to everybody. Then, of course, the Bruxy bomb, that I call it, happened. And uh, that was a whole thing that was just us. Uh, actually, before church this morning, somebody um, newish, they're not here today, they're going to come next week. They came in and they were like, yeah, like living in the neighborhood looking for a church, like you guys are still here after everything? And I was like, yeah, yeah, no, we're, we're still here. And he was like a little bit surprised that we, that we're still here, but we are. Um, so yeah, when all of that went down, uh, how many months ago was that now? I don't even remember 16 or something, 16 months ago that kind of exploded everything we thought was safe and healthy and good. We learned that a lot of it perhaps was not so good. The structure and thrust of our church has changed a lot in the last year and a half. And some of you may feel that more than others. Some of you may be like, no, nah, I've been coming here for years and it feels about the same. And for others of you, you're like, no, nah, it really feels different. Like it's not, we're not really focused on the same things. Things feel pretty different now than they did, you know, say two years ago. So despite both of these huge hard things, a pandemic and the Bruxy bomb, God has still been here in this community working. Our church has gathered every Sunday since September 26th, 2021, except for that little Omicron nuisance that happened, if you remember, just after Christmas that year. We've baptized five people in the last couple of years. We're back in a triple-digit-ish space here on Sunday mornings with, in grades one to five alone, more than 25 kids on most Sundays, as we just saw all of them run away and exit. We've launched a youth ministry in the East End. We're no longer driving to St. Monica's. We have our youth ministry here. Um, our volunteer teams are doing fairly well. They're almost full. People have found community through home church and huddles. And we just today hired a new next-gen pastor. So, like, things are good. Like, God's doing stuff. There's still activity happening here. The Spirit is still at work. So I don't think that God is done with us yet. Would you agree with me? I don't think he's done yet. I don't think so. What might be done, however, 
is the forum that the Meeting House has been in since 2002. So some of you may know that date. That's the date the first multi-site of the Meeting House ever launched in Ancaster at the time. And then Uptown was not too far behind that. And really the impetus of launching multi-sites to start was we didn't all fit in the building in Oakville. And so people were sitting in overflow rooms to listen to the teaching. So they're like, well, rather than sit in Oakville in an overflow room, why not sit in Ancaster? Why not sit in Toronto in an overflow room? And that's how multi-site started. And so that more or less has been the structure since 2002. And maybe that's not the form that we need to be in anymore. Now, depending on who you are in this room and your experience with our church and how long you've been here, the feelings over what I just said are mixed. Some of you are like, finally, praise the Lord. Let's do something new. Let's get rid of the old structure. Let's see what God is doing. And others of you might be like, I actually really liked the old structure. That's why I came to this church and uh, still kind of sad or mad or grumpy or whatever. And, and that's fine. Feelings are, are valid. I actually, um, as I was preparing for today, I was on Instagram as one does. Um, and I saw this painting from uh, Scott, the painter who we've had at our, at our church before. And it just struck me because the, the thing at the bottom says, if you love the form, you have everything to lose. If you love what gives it form, you're free to receive whatever it is turning into. And so I just thought, like, that little church at the top, maybe that's the meeting house. And uh, we're, we're going through a little bit of a formation change. But if we love what we're here for, then the form will just be the form. And it's fine. In our leaders meeting a couple of weeks ago, when we as leaders had this conversation, I was reminded in the Old Testament of when the Israelites went back to Jerusalem after they were exiled. So there was this beautiful temple. They were exiled. They went away to um, Babylon. And then they came back and they were tasked with rebuilding the temple. It wasn't like before. The new temple wasn't like the first one. And there were some mixed feelings about it. So I want to read uh, for you from Ezra chapter 3 verses 10 to 13. When the builders laid the foundation of the temple of the Lord, the priests in their vestments and with trumpets and the Levites as cymbals took their places to praise the Lord as prescribed by David, king of Israel. With praise and thanksgiving, they sang to the Lord, he is good, his love towards Israel endures forever. And all the people gave a great shout of praise to the Lord because the foundation of the house of the Lord was laid. But many of the older priests and Levites and family heads who had seen the former temple wept aloud when they saw the foundation of this temple being laid while many others shouted for joy. No one could distinguish the sound of the shouts of joy from the sound of weeping, because the people made so much noise, and the sound was heard far away. So I'm not sure in this room what our percentage of shouts of joy versus weeping is. Uh, I'm sure for the dozen or so other meeting house locations that are meeting today, that percentage of joy versus weeping might be different, depending on which location you're a part of. I think it's important to acknowledge that any change is hard and feelings are normal. And some of us maybe are still processing that. But I also think it's important to remember that God works through his church always. And capital C church, I don't care if it's called the meeting house, I don't care what it's called. The church is God's plan to move on this earth through his people. Whether that's through good things or through bad things. There's a lot of that in scripture as well. I'm reminded of this passage in Isaiah 43. This is what the Lord says. He who made a way through the sea, a path through the mighty waters, who drew out the chariots and horses, the army and reinforcements together, and they lay there never to rise again, extinguished, snuffed out like a wick. Forget the former things. Do not dwell on the past. See, I am doing a new thing. Now it springs up. Do you not perceive it? I am making a way in the wilderness and streams in the wasteland. God is so here in this place and he is so doing a new thing. And I'm actually really excited about it. I believe there is a big and bright future for this local church here in East Toronto. I do, however, think that the old wineskins are perhaps not working anymore. Or in fact, maybe they've been leaking for a while. Uh, and we just kind of were ignoring it. And COVID, of course, as I said earlier, sped up the leak, maybe tore a piece out of the side, and then here we are. I'm grateful in a way 
that our circumstances have forced our wider church to ask the question of how we exist and dream of some potential ways forward that will help us use what God has blessed us with more effectively. So with that said, I'm going to invite my good friend Matt to come up uh, and share a little bit about what that dreaming process has looked like for the wider meeting house and kind of what we want to hear from you today about. Thanks, Jen. Jen, we're very grateful for you. Yeah. The church is never about any one of us individually, but that doesn't mean we can't see and appreciate the people that are serving and leading in our midst. And Jen, we just really appreciate you and see you and the impact that you've had in our East Toronto community. Speak up, speak closer to the mic. There we go. It's one of those mics. I got to eat the mic and chew on all the beard hairs that are left here from previous. Yeah. You'd be amazed what you see when you do a lot of speaking and see a lot of microphones. Yeah. I am now ingesting COVID. It's actually happening because my lips are touching them. I know. I'll stop grossing you out. Okay. Let's get serious for a second here. It's church. So who's seen Jesus Revolution? Anybody? Oh, not many hands. You might want to check that one out. It's an interesting one. But the reason why I'm thinking about it this morning, my wife and I watched it over the last couple days. It's a new movie about the Jesus Revolution in the 70s. And the one thing I'll share that I think is just an interesting jump-off point is the movie essentially starts and you see this copy of Time magazine at some point in the early part of the movie from that era saying, hey, is God dead and then, I won't tell you what happens in the movie, but at the end, there's a very different cover of Time magazine that's printed about a Jesus revolution that's happening at that moment in history. And the reason why I think that's relevant and it's on my mind this morning is because it was just a reminder for me that God is, like Jen said, always at work. He's always bringing beauty out of the ashes. We have Romans 8.28. Maybe we can throw it up there. This has been an anchor verse for me and my family, and especially as I've been discerning more in my role in our church in recent months, it's been an anchor verse for me, and I hope for us too, that whether or not God planned for us to get here how we've got here is maybe less the point, although sometimes we focus a lot on that, and maybe the point is more that he is a good God that's standing ready to work good out of whatever our situation is if we're looking to follow him and trust him, and he's given us purpose. And that's not just a trite, start what you're going to say with a scripture moment. Like, I really believe that. And I invite you to think whether you really believe that that's the kind of God that we serve, one that works good out of all things for those of us who love him and are called according to his purpose. And that gives me a lot of inspiration for the moment we're in as a church. I agree with Jen. I've never been as hopeful and excited as I am for the future of our church, but it's for very different reasons than I might have been 15 years ago. So I've been spiritually formed as an adult here over 19 years. I started coming to the meeting house right when I moved to Toronto at a university and had an encounter with Jesus, um, was already a Christian, but encountered Jesus in fresh new ways that were life-changing for me. And so here I am speaking, first and foremost as a family member of the East Toronto community, but with the privilege of serving in the role that I have been recently. Grateful for that past, deeply grateful for it. But also, like Jen said, excited about a new definition for what our future could look like. And standing here, the product of Jesus' renovation in my heart, realizing that a good day at church is not necessarily when everything feels like it's going up and to the right and we're shinier and glossier and more successful by worldly measures. But a good day at church is when we're knowing and becoming more like Jesus together. And that can happen through any circumstance. But we have partnership and agency in that relationship with God to decide how do we build the right wineskins and organize ourselves to be in our best position to follow him and to make disciples and to share the good news with others. And so that's what we want to talk a little bit about today. Today's not a, it's sometimes it helps to situate conversations like this and set expectations. What are we doing here? This isn't a typical sermon and that's okay. But it's also not just information. It's really part of a process of discernment, which is something we do as a church, which is why this is good time for us to spend together. And discernment is all about essentially trying to pay attention to what God is saying to us. It's just a fancy word for trying to pay attention and understand and take the lead from what God is saying to us. And we do that communally as Anabaptists. We do that together 
we discern what the Spirit is saying to us together. So yes, your feedback is going to be welcome, your input's going to be welcome, but it's more than just like, hey, I saw a presentation once and I thought some things and I gave feedback. No, it's a spiritual process of discerning what is God saying to us through this. And what I'm going to share with you over the next 15 minutes or so is a product of that process already having been happening for years. As we've paid attention to what is God saying to us, even though we may not have always listened and we need to repent of that, what has he been saying to us about what he wants out of our church at the meeting house, not just what we think our strategic plan is. And in recent months, even the last six or eight months, we spent time going through all of our communities and having gatherings. And that was a big part of the process was to ask the question, what are we hearing from Jesus together? And we've compiled a lot of that through our pastors and through our communities and through our teams to, to really get a sense of direction for where we feel like he's calling us. And I'm excited to share a little bit about that with you this morning. And it's not fully baked, and that's the point of community discernment, is we share along the way and we bring the community on the journey and grow those muscles together. And frankly, I think we have work to do to grow those muscles well as a church. So this isn't a sales pitch from someone at the top. This is a brother coming before you as a family saying, this is where we sense God has been calling us. Let's pray about it. Let's discern it together. So it's helpful when we talk about new direction in our life, whether it's for a church or otherwise, to really anchor ourselves in why. Why are we having a conversation about an intentional move towards a new future, and why do we think the one that we're discerning is potentially compelling? So I want to share a couple anchor points with you, and these are not the four truths that govern the universe or anything like that. We don't have to burden them with that much weight, but they are themes that have reemerged regularly as we've had these conversations about discerning our future. And one is just the value of the local church, the belief that Jesus is best at work through relationships like the ones you have with each other and that the kingdom manifests locally through those relationships, and it extends locally to others who we know and who we invite in to hear the good news of Jesus. And so forming and shaping ourselves around the priority of empowering a local church to be embedded in its community, incarnational, serving where God is active, on the streets and in our neighborhoods, is a guiding principle for us. It also happens to be consistent with what a lot of churches who are experiencing healthy growth, not just in numbers, but healthy discipleship and evangelism, how they're forming and shaping them themselves in 2023 and beyond. But our structure makes it difficult to do that. Not that that hasn't happened. Look, we're a product of that. But I would argue it's happened almost in spite of our structure, not because of it. Our structure makes communication difficult. It makes financial transparency a little bit difficult. It makes problem solving and local ministry agility more difficult. So there's one really important point that we could talk about for weeks, but just to summarize it, we believe in the value of local, community-based, relational, incarnational church that's reaching out to others with the good news of Jesus, and we want to build around that. We also believe in uniting around shared values, though. It's hard to do what I just said alone or independently. Uh, many of you have experienced that in small independent churches. I've experienced that through leading networks like Jesus Collective. There's a lot of churches that want to do good things for Jesus, but it's difficult to do them independently. And they don't necessarily share values with others and have a sense of togetherness that's bigger than themselves by being part of something larger. And we have something that is not elitist or better, but it is rare and needed, we believe, in Toronto and in Ontario. And it's our Jesus-centered Anabaptist heritage. And that's worth preserving. It's worth fighting for. It's worth uniting with others who want to spread the message of Jesus to one another and in our communities. And our denomination provides some of that, which is wonderful and beautiful. By the way, yay, BIC, Be in Christ Canada. That's our denomination. We love our denomination. And they're supportive of this direction we're talking about. But they're not equipped to be on the ground having those values play out in local churches and be shoulder-to-shoulder -shoulder in ministry the way that we are as a local church. So uniting together and still valuing, sharing that common center and that common Anabaptist ethos that we've built over time at the Meeting House is valuable to us. In addition to just sharing that value center and that ethos and Jesus centricity, we also believe that there's value in sharing resources together. So many churches, unfortunately, struggle with the burden of things like administration and trying to provide infrastructure and all those types of things that can take away from on-the-ground ministry, from 
teaching and from discipling our kids and our youth and doing compassion work. And so we believe that there's value not only in sharing values and an ethos, but in actually coming together and pooling resources so that, so that, because we have to remember our why, the local church can be free to be the local church and to build relationships and to do ministry and to spread the good news with others. And we also believe that people like Jen and others who are invested in this with their lives need support. I don't know if you've read any of the stats over the past few years about the rate of pastor and church leader burnout. And it's not isolated to the church world. In fact, it's really important to say that because everybody here works somewhere else and experiences those things too. But it's brutal in the church world. And there's reasons for that. But one of them is because pastors and leaders just don't feel supported. When people don't have your back and you're in this work, it's hard to do. So there's value in not just sharing administrative resources for efficiency, but in supporting and mentoring and encouraging each other within a broader system and a broader family beyond just one independent local church. So the value of sharing resources. And the fourth theme that I want to touch on that Jen mentioned too is the need for a new wineskin for us. So she positioned it so well, I don't need to repeat everything she said. But she dropped an important thread there that COVID really interrupted inertia in a way that exposed a lot of the ineffectiveness of many churches. And then on top of that, the scandals that we've been through have further eroded trust, and they've really reinforced the need for us to reorganize ourselves in a different way. And the reality is, we're no longer the church that we were. And that's okay. That's okay. But we're still kind of wearing those old clothes. So we don't have the same level of resources we have, but we do have a lot to work with. We just need to do the work to right-size our wineskin and to trust Jesus to help us build a new wineskin that carries the wine of his good message to each other and to our communities. But we need to cross that Rubicon this year. This is a year when we need to make decisions about the future of our church. So we value the local church. We lead with that principle that that's where the kingdom manifests and we want to organize around that and empower that. We believe that we have something in our shared values and our ethos that's worth holding on to. We believe that there's value in not doing this alone and sharing resources and support together, but we do believe we need a new wineskin to do this well. So part of who we want to become is a transparent church that's sharing openly about things like finances, not because money is what drives us, but because if you want to see the priorities of anything, including a church, look at the balance sheet, look at the finances, look at the way we use our resources, and because it speaks love by being transparent and honest with each other about where we're at. So I know there's a lot here, and we can get this information to anyone who wants it, but there's some punchlines to this information, okay? By the way, this is very new for us. To be sharing local financial information with our communities is a new muscle that I believe and we believe is really important for us to build going forward, to build trust with one another, and to empower our church to be the church together. That's you. So maybe you're a financial person, maybe you're not, but there's some take-homes here, okay? This is a look at our fiscal year to date. That just means the year that we do our accounting on, okay? And it runs from July 1st to June 30th up until February of this year. So that's the latest data we had when we produced this. We would now have more recent data, but that's kind of beside the point, okay? So this is as of February, from July to this last February. Here in East Toronto... This community has given $139,000 of offerings. Yes, to our general fund. We have three funds, our general fund, our go fund, and our compassion fund, okay? So Peacemakers, for example, works through our compassion fund. So this community has given $139,000 to our general fund, which is where we operate the bulk of what we do as a church. And there's two kinds of costs that that goes to help cover in our current model. Our local costs of about $130,000, and then what we call our cross-regional costs, which are allocated based on the size of this community, et cetera, which are about $124,000. Now, that's not just overhead. That's the way our church has been structured. A lot of ministry, like teaching and compassion and our website and all kinds of things. Kids and youth resources come out of that budget cross-regionally that support all of our communities across the meeting house, okay? But you can see there's a pretty significant deficit there. While the giving in this community is really strong and something to rally around, Okay, there's still 67 donors here, and this community gives 81% of its historic level. There's something to work with there. If I was looking to plant a church, 
I'd be saying there's a lot here to start with. And it hasn't fallen off historical levels all that much compared to a lot of other churches or even other communities in the meeting, set, meeting house. But you don't have to be a mathematician to also see that we have some work to do, right? The giving just currently doesn't match our structure. So how could I have said I'm as hopeful and excited as I am? Because I believe that there is an opportunity in a way to both compel people to continue to get more engaged locally because we're a local church where people can see where their money is going and we have more agility to do ministry in our local context. And also to restructure the center of our church where those cross-regional costs are. To change some of the ways we do things. To right-size the way that we do things with who we've become. And in fact, if you took a look at our current expenses as of today, they would actually be a lot lower than that already because we've done a lot of that work to bring a lot of those costs down and to right-size ourselves with the church that we're becoming while still staying focused on the things that matter to us most. And we can do that by focusing less on the big meeting house brand and identity and instead focusing on empowering our local churches to be how you define yourself as a meeting houser. So I believe that there's a lot of hope, but this is also just a real reality check for us as the Meeting House East Toronto of what we look like from a financial and from a generosity perspective that informs where we need to go. So all that last 10 minutes, I would sum it up to say there's both a missional and a spiritual and a church reason for why we sense Jesus calling us in a new direction. And that is actually most important. But it's backed by and reinforced by a practical need for us to be changing as well. And those two things go hand in hand to compel us to change. So, sometimes it's good to just pause because we're throwing a lot of things at you this morning. But I want to talk a little bit about what that change could look like and where we sense God calling us. So, since the beginning of the Meeting House in the early 2000s, We've kind of been called or have referred to ourselves as a megachurch or a multi-site church. And that's just, on one level, just a basic descriptor of what we are. Because of those points that I just mentioned before, those themes, and our practical reality, where we sense God is calling us is to move from being a megachurch that calls itself a multi-site movement to a network of truly local Jesus-centered churches. And on the surface, that might not seem a whole lot different, and in some ways that's great because we're not trying to just change for the sake of it, but it's actually an incredibly different way of us existing and being as a church. And what the spirit of it is, is combining the continuity of who we are and who we have been and that ethos that we have with a completely reimagined way of living and existing and being a church that's focused on discipling people and sharing the good news of Jesus locally in our communities, incarnationally embedded in our neighborhoods and empowered to make many ministry decisions like we haven't been before. So what would that look like? This is not an exhaustive review of every single detail. Um, we can go to the next slide there. There's a lot more that we have already figured out and a lot more that we need to figure out in the months to come, but this hopefully just gives us enough to sort of get it, what it, could f what it could mean for us to become a real local network of churches. Imagine Meeting House communities being united by what we might call a shared covenant that actually is a relational listing of the things that we agree with and believe, our shared values, the ministry principles that we operate on, the things that are important to us. It's not a legal contract, but it's something that holds us together, and that's what we rally around as churches, and it's clear and it's articulated transparently and well for us all to rally around. Believe it or not, although we have core values, we don't actually have that today because we're one mega church. but imagine we were a network of churches that were united by a shared covenant that articulated those things. Imagine that our local communities were more empowered to make local dis ministry decisions and where a pastor like Jen was accountable to her local leadership team, not just to someone who was operating at the meeting house cross-regional level. Imagine she was supported and encouraged and mentored and coached and resourced well, but really was accountable here to this local congregation. 
And imagine that came with transparency and things like finances and what your local budget looked like. Those would be new things for us as a Meeting House church. And imagine there was a shared support center that wasn't commanding and controlling, and I'm not saying it is today, but it wasn't there to be centralizing all the decisions, but it was there to be wind at the back of local Meeting House communities across Ontario, providing shared resourcing and things like finance and administration that we think it's more efficient to do together, but also providing relational coaching and discipleship support for leaders who are on the ground in our local communities. So rather than being at the top, being side by side, giving support to our local meeting houses across Ontario. And I know governance and things like boards are not everybody's cup of tea, but they matter a lot. They make a huge difference for how a community operates and feels empowered, especially when difficult decisions need to be made. And what we've sensed is the possibility of evolving to a new governance framework where, like our current board of overseers today, we actually have a board that is comprised of representation from all the different meeting house communities. And that fundamentally changes the way that your voice is heard and represented and the way that we can behave as a community of churches together with very different power dynamics and in a very decentralized way. So there'd be a significant change to our governance as well, but we would remain one charitable entity because we think that makes sense. And we, we have a guess that not a lot of local churches are looking to spend more time on things like dealing with the CRA and figuring out finances. It makes some sense for us to do those things together like we have, but to create a structure where we're much more locally empowered in all of our communities. So where do we go from here? I've just shared a surface-level vision for us of moving from being a multi-site megachurch to being a, local net a network of truly local Jesus-centered churches and just some of the things that that might include. But we're in the middle of a process. We haven't made all these decisions, and I'm pleased to say that, that we're not just showing up and telling you where things are headed. We're in the middle of a process, and so it's helpful for you to know where we're headed from here. Right now, we're doing exactly what we're doing with your community, across the meeting house. So I'll be in Newmarket next week helping to talk a little bit about this possibility. Other pastors like Crystal in High Park is doing the same thing today and so on and so forth. So our communities are hearing about this direction that we've been sensing and we're discerning together. And we're inviting our communities collectively and corporately to express an interest in, yeah, this direction we're headed feels like one we'd want to take the next step towards and start to figure out how we might actually do it by the end of June. So right now we're focused on the why. Does this make sense? We're focused on the direction. Does it feel like headed in that, in that direction makes sense for us? And by the end of June, we should have a good sense for how our communities across the Meeting House are responding. And by the way, the early response has been very positive. And for a lot of people, it feels like it resonates with where we've wanted to go for years. And that's actually a really good thing, that it doesn't feel totally brand new, yet it would be in some ways. After that... I'm very passionate about the idea of us not just making decisions from the center, but structuring ourselves in a way where there's a table for communities to be represented to speak into things like that shared covenant I mentioned, which will lay out who we are as a network of churches, what we believe in, what essentials we hold to together, and what local communities are empowered to do independently. But that needs to be shaped by a team of representatives from across our different communities. So that's one of our next steps, is actually trying to shape and form that team to speak into the details of how a network like this could be formed. And we're thinking that over the summer, a lot of that work would probably happen. So Jen will talk more with you in the coming weeks about the possibility of someone from this community or people from this community being part of that process. And we also have to do a lot of work to plan things like the finances and to figure out how could we make a network model like this viable? And what would the financial needs be? And would there be a gap between where we are today and what it would look like to be sustainable in the future? And how do we get resources we might need just to fill that gap to get from here to there, even in a transition period? So if you're someone who wonders those questions, like, hey, who's doing that work? Are we wor working on the viability? The answer is yes. We're working actually quite hard to figure out how we could build a path from where we are today to where we want to be tomorrow. That doesn't lead us that's not our first line of thinking. The vision leads us, but we have to do that work to come in behind it and make it viable. And so maybe 
maybe we soft launch a new network like this this fall. This isn't a promise to say that that's happening. This isn't me saying we're forcing that. But if we, by the end of June, can get a general sense across the meeting house that, okay, we feel like the why is there. We feel like it's worth stepping in that direction. Can we then spend a few months forming our basis of a shared covenant? And can we soft launch something later in this calendar year? And if not, we'll adapt to God's plans. But we're currently wondering if that might be possible, partly because we need to make decisions this year. There is urgency to us deciding what we look like going forward. And then we would have potentially a transition period, and maybe that's a year, maybe it's two years, where we're actually watching things closely to see if it's healthy and not just feeling like, oh, our work is done and we've designed a new model and we can move on. No, we would watch things very closely and want to support our communities through that transition process and make sure that they're getting to a place of viability in a new structure and a new model. Maybe that takes us to the 2025 type of time frame, but it does feel wise to transition ourselves there rather than just fall off a cliff and expect everything to work. Things don't usually go like that. Okay? So what can you be doing in the process? There's a few things, and this isn't just the obligatory list of tell them to pray, tell them to give. These are the real tools that we have, okay? I think we have one more, one more slide there. It doesn't matter if we don't. That's fine. Praying has got to be the backbone of who we are as a church. Not just to tick the box, but a big part of the discernment process is us committing to prayer to listening to what God is saying to us, to surrendering who we have been individually and corporately to wherever he's inviting us to next. That process of surrender is so key, letting go. The whole center point of our faith is based on the narrative of death and resurrection. And there's something very spiritually significant about a good death. It's hard, but it's important. And when death has been defeated by your king, you can approach it with a whole different mindset, can't you? So there's some death here, and there's some letting go. But on the other side of that is hope of resurrection. So we have to embody that individually and believe that. And we have to embody that and believe it corporately as well. So I'm inviting you, I'm calling you to pray with me individually and corporately for our church and for each other. And we're going to get closer to God the more we pray. So hey, that's a win-win. So that's one thing we can be doing, is we can be praying. We need to be praying. We can also be giving. There's a lot of people that are still on the sidelines wondering, hey, I wonder what's happening in this community and at the meeting house. There's no rush or pressure or coercion or manipulation or forcing anyone to move faster than you feel comfortable. But I am trying to be just very clear, too. Giving is a way you can get engaged and you can help build a future here, even before we have it all figured out. It's going to make a difference if we each give today, and it's going to be put to good use. I put my name on that statement. Um, so giving is something that we can be doing either as a, a regular, uh, on a regular basis, or if you feel compelled to really invest in the direction we're headed, then even just giving more significantly to support that if you're in that position is something that will help our future, okay? And the other thing that we can do is what you did today. You show up, and you can be present in this community. If you feel like, I don't know what I can do, that's huge. Just being present in this community and keeping relationships moving and building relationships and investing in them with one another, that's sewing the fabric of the kingdom in a very real way in our local community. So I just invite us to keep participating, just to keep showing up at com in, on Sundays in home church with your youth. We will be the church, whatever form it takes, if we continue to show up and participate and be the body together. This isn't about an institution, it's about relationships. So that's an invitation for you to be praying, to be thinking how you can use your resources, and also just to keep showing up and to be part of this community if you feel like it's a home for you. So, perfect. All right, threw a lot of stuff at you. We want some time for, uh, uh, there you go, Q&R. So I learned this phrase when I was at the Exponential Conference that I talked about a couple weeks ago. It's question and reflection, because maybe we don't have the answer, but that's okay. We can reflect. Um, so if anybody has, I know it's already 11.06, we're going to give just five minutes here. If anybody um, has a burning question or wants clarity or wants to offer us any feedback, anything, um, does anyone want to talk into a microphone? Anyone at all? I just want to say this sounds wonderful to me in terms of, a whole look at a whole system 
how it's working, how it can be improving. And it's kind of like my, my background question is, what would Jesus say? <laughs> and I think that Jesus would be very happy to see what's going on here and that it's an interdependent process rather than a top-down autocratic process. And I just want to say thank you very much, Matt, for that and that description. I think it's very clear. It has total integrity. And thank you. Thank you so much. I do love the like the general ideas there. It sounds great. Um, I'm just wondering, can you give us a little bit more of like uh, on a Sunday morning, how would it look different? Or is that part of the discerning process that's happening right now? Yeah, I'll take a go at it. Yeah, I honestly, it might not look that different. Um, when you see the cost of the cross regional, some of you that volunteer with our kids and youth know that our curriculum comes in these giant bags from this magical warehouse that might stop. So Julie, our new next gen pastor might be going to Walmart to get some stuff for Kid Max on Sunday, which every other church does. Um, there's also conversations on teaching. Um, there can be quite a lot more local teaching. Um, I think we're talking maybe two or three like network wide, like everybody does. And then it'd be like optional. You could do the live stream or you could go do local. Of course, for someone like me, uh, my hours are structured as such that I don't actually have the space to necessarily preach every single week, but maybe I could. And because the finances are local now, that's what we actually get to decide. Right. So, or maybe there's even people here that are volunteers and have the spiritual gift of teaching. Well, come on, let's form a teaching team and like, let's get that going. But all of those things we're actually going to get to figure out ourselves now, rather than being told you're allowed to do this many local Sundays or whatever. So that's exciting. So that could look different. Otherwise, like, I don't know, not not much. Like it probably would feel kind of the same. Do you I think the the main answer to that question is it's up to the community. That's a big deal. That it's not actually a prescribed box. If this community decides, hey, this is actually how we want to keep doing church, and that's how we feel Jesus calling us to do it. Great. But the big deal here is if this community decides, actually there's much different ways that we feel compelled to do things to reach this community. There's partnerships we want to pursue. There's activities and things we want to get busy on in our neighborhoods. Like, of course, that's always been encouraged across the meeting house, but our structure hasn't really actually allowed us to do a lot of that the way a lot of our communities have wanted to. So yeah, the Sunday morning experience could be exactly the same as it is. It could be very different as long as it's continuing with our core ethos and principles and our kids are safe and yeah. we're using our curriculum well. I mean, there's things that we will care about across a network, but really the beauty is this community gets to figure out what does Jesus want us to look like in East Toronto as a church? Um, can you please um, explain a little bit about the covenant? What do you mean about the covenant? Covenant? Is that uh, the covenant she's asking. So the idea of a shared covenant, so I'll just give you an actual example. So I'm part of the board of directors for Mennonite Central Committee, who we support through our compassion work. And Mennonite Central Committee is a federation of provincial organizations that all work together with another organization called MCC Canada. And MCC Canada works with MCC in the US. So they're all actually different organizations, but what unites them together? Over the last couple of years, we've actually gone through a process of rebuilding a shared covenant together. And that covenant lays out, what are the principles that hold us together? What are the roles and responsibilities of the different stakeholders within our federation? Um, what are the essentials that we expect from one another? Those are the kinds of things that a covenant would very plainly lay out. It's not complicated, but it's very important. And it's not meant to be a legal contract. It's meant to be a relational thing that says, these are, the, these are the reasons why we're together, and these are the things we share together. And this is your role versus my role. So if you're a local church, here's what your role is. If you're the network support center that's offering shared services, here's what your role is. If you're the board of directors, here's what your role is. And that document can be very transparent for anyone in the network to see and understand how this thing works together and what holds us together, what it is we share in common and where we have the ability to do things locally or independently. So that's literally what a shared covenant is meant to be. Does that help? Yeah. 
Yeah, I'm just curious about the uh, investment in the infrastructure in Oakville and how that was to serve this big, you know, satellite sites. Does that still remain? Is something changing to be redistributed within the local yeah. visions or vision? Yeah, sure. I'll take a wig at this because I actually secret, not secretly, I love finances. Um, so I, as I sort of said in our leaders meeting a couple of weeks ago, I think, you know, when the gravy train was rolling, the center was the center and it was awesome when we got all the things. Now that the gravy train has stopped, the math doesn't math as you saw, right? So locally, we're actually covering local expenses, but some of the like really lovely to haves, even including the role I used to have as cross-regional kids pastor, was fine when all the money was coming from everywhere, but now it might not make as much sense. So I think, and Matt already talked about, there's already been some right-sizing happening there. So like the middle has to shrink. Like we can't, that 124000 or whatever that we were supposed to give on top, like it just doesn't work. Um, and it doesn't work in almost every circumstance from what I remember seeing. And so, yeah, those are the questions of like, and part of this network in July that maybe somebody from here would like to sit at the table, please talk to me after the service, um, is going to ask the questions like, well, what does the middle have to be? Because it probably can't be all of the things that it has been, but there are some things that are actually super helpful and we would like to keep there. Like, I don't know, maybe we want to keep Ian, who a couple of weeks ago came and fixed all of our tech insanity when the video wouldn't turn on. Maybe we keep him. Um, or, you know, maybe there's other things that we, we just can't going forward. So that's a real conversation. And those are hard conversations because I don't know how many of you know about the big giant Oakville building, but those are people that work and have jobs with us. Um, and no matter what future we have, like, we just can't be the same size that we were. So... As you're praying, think about Matt and people who have to make some of these decisions and sort of what the trickle of that is, because it is it is difficult conversations. But yeah, what that middle is going to look like is actually what the network crowd in July are going to try to figure out. Michelle has a hand. You're the last question. Oh, sorry. It's really a follow up um, because I think there's a question about what's there in the middle, like what's housed in the Oakville building. And mm -hmm. then but I think there's also a separate question about the actual building, building as a as a big capital asset that many of us were around to uh, yeah. contribute to. Let's talk about that sacred cow. Yeah, I sense that maybe that was part of your question, Marianne. Um, so yes to the things that Jen said. But also, yeah, at this point, you just need to know that we're looking at all the options. So everything's on the table. So that's not some read between the lines, he just said something's happening with the building in Oakville. No, like these moments are actually very important so that we don't run from here with expectations that are not accurate. All I'm saying, which is true, is that we're looking at all the options. And it is important to understand we have a significant asset in Oakville that all of our communities contributed to over time. And it may or it may not be the right asset to continue to have to support a church network like this. But I hope you take encouragement to hear that actually we are looking at all of the options um, and doing a proper review of those. Um, so there will be a lot more information potentially about that in the coming months. And also pray for the Oakville community because there's a church family that lives in that home, right, and serves the purpose of supporting our center but also housing a church community. And so... I'm very hopeful and confident that we'll be able to make the right decisions, but they will be sensitive ones because they impact people's church experience and people's jobs. Um, but yes, if hopefully you're encouraged, everything's on the table and we're already starting to do to review those options. Yep. I just want to say thank you so much to all of the staff. Yes, Matt has been uh, leading the charge on this. There's a leadership team directly under him. There's all of the pastors, there's everybody. And I just want to say, uh, pray for all of them because the people who are making these decisions are making these decisions knowing that the choices they make are in the best interest of the community but may mean they don't have a job at the end of yeah. it. Yeah. So we're asking people to actually sit there and choose to do away with their own job. Yeah. <laughs> and they're doing it and they're staying around because they care and they are committed to our church. So, I mean, that goes for everybody. Like, to some extent, the local pastors are maybe the most secure, uh, but, you know, some of them may have to go part-time um, yeah. as opposed to full-time because the money may not support a full-time pastor at every location. Mm -hmm. uh, so just pray for all of those people. It's a big, it's a big responsibility, and they're doing it for us as a, as a church because they care about 
us and our community, and they care about where Jesus is leading us. So I just want to say thank you to all of you. And as much as this change may seem like, oh, this is kind of scary because when we don't have a clear direction, and we typically as a community are used to being told, this is what's happening, this is what it looks like, and we're not getting that this time for good reason and better, in my opinion, than how it has been done before. Um, as much as that feels uncomfortable for us, it feels that much more uncomfortable for the people who are paid by our church. <laughs> right. So I just want to say thank you, hang in there to both of you, and please pass our appreciation on to the rest of the staff. Thank you, Fiona. That feels like a lovely place to wrap our time. I know our Kid Max teachers are like, where are they? We're running out of lessons. Um, so yeah, just as we wrap, as we've been saying all morning, please continue to pray. Please continue to listen to what the Spirit is saying. Please talk to your home church elder, your coordinator, myself, Matt, Julia, now who's on staff with us. Um, talk to us. Give us your feedback. Tell us what you're thinking. Listen to this podcast if you want to hear it again. Um, give any feedback, thoughts, questions to us. Um, again, as Matt said, by the end of June, the hope is that as the Meeting House East Toronto, we can say as a community, yeah, we're open to this network idea. We want to learn more. We want to lean in here. And so our leadership team will kind of give that call by the end of next month. And so please wrestle, ask questions. We want this to be um, something that is talked about and discussed and prayed over by our entire um, community. So to end our service, how many of you know about Theater 3 next door and what we use it for? Prayer! How many of you have actually ever gone... Oh, wait, how many people have never gone over there to pray? Yeah, okay, almost all of us. Uh, that's what I thought. So one thing that me and our prayer coordinators have been sort of thinking about is every so often, rather than say, if you want prayer, go next door, which you can do. I'm just going to invite all of us to go next door to pray for a couple of minutes. I know some of us have children in the Kid Max. Get those kids, bring them too. Kids know how to pray. They're actually awesome at it. Um, we're going to take a, a couple of minutes next door praying for our church. Um, I realize that it is late, and thank you for hanging in there. And some of you may have somewhere to go, which is okay. So we will uh, say a quick prayer together now. But I'm going to head next door with our prayer team to spend a few minutes just praying in earnest for our church. If you have a couple of minutes to give us, please come over and pray. So let us let me uh, close the service, and then we'll move next door. Dear God, thank you so much for who you are, for the way that you've worked. And God, even through the, the ups and downs and zigzags of this community, God, you've brought us here to this point. Thank you, God, that um, we're in a space where we can ask as a community where you're leading us and that it probably is time for a bit of a new, a new wineskin that's going to serve us in the future as we seek to serve you and to serve our community that we find ourselves in. God, I pray that you would um, continue to walk with us, continue to be with Matt and our leadership teams as they discern the future of our greater uh, church family. Um, God, for the hard conversations that have been happening and continue to happen, God, I just pray that you would walk with us and before us. And God, ultimately, Capital C Church is all about you, and that's that's why I'm here. That's why hopefully we're all here. And so, God, I just pray that you would continue to work and to move um, in and amongst our community. We pray all these things in Jesus' name. Amen. <laughs>